Exploring the Word is brought to you by Reclaiming America for Christ and the Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. This is Pastor Paul Blair. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word. If you have your Bibles, our scripture text for this message will be found in Galatians. We'll read both from chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, and also from chapter 3, verse 28. Of course, we just completed a two-day broadcast on the subject, Critical Race Theory, in a message entitled, What is Truth? Well, today we're going to dig a little deeper and continue in what we call part two of that sermon series, but we're going to deal with the doctrine of black liberation theology. Ladies and gentlemen, this is eye-opening. We're going to broadcast this over the next three days, and you won't want to miss a moment of it because it is something that is facing us today. It is a poison that has infiltrated the church and trying to divide the unity of the body of Christ. I hope that you enjoy this short series dealing with the subject of black liberation theology. We welcome you to the radio ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We invite you to join with us for today's Exploring the Word. Here's Pastor Paul Blair. We'll read a couple of passages of Scripture, and then we'll get into the teaching today. And by the way, this is going to be a, a slower, a methodical lesson because the subject matter is so important. You know, and sometimes you can just let emotions get involved and, and just preach and try to encourage people. Other times, uh, the purpose is specific, in-depth teaching. We're going to be doing uh, far more of that this morning, so uh, just be prepared. Let's begin in verse 8 of chapter 1 of Galatians. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let them be accursed." As he said before, so say I now. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that we have preached, received, let him be accursed. Now turn over a couple of pages to uh, chapter 3 and down to verse 26. For you are all the children of God. How? By your skin color? No. By your nationality? No. Uh, by your parents' good works? No. By your good works? No. By faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you has, have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Ne there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Today we're going to kind of finish what we began last week as uh, we were dealing with... Um, critical race theory in particular. And today we're going to tie in and touch into a little bit of the uh, gospel of black liberation theology, what it is and where it comes from. Of course, as always, let me preface Bible study. The Bible is a Jewish book written by Jewish authors to a largely Jewish audience about the Jewish Messiah slash King, who also happens to be the creator of everything and the savior of everything. We have to understand the Bible as you read it from left to right. It's a progressive revelation that builds upon itself. And you also have to study the Bible from a Jewish worldview. There's abundant use of Jewish idioms and topics that were familiar to them that perhaps might not be familiar to us. Now, 
As we saw last week, critical theory was born out of Marxism. Marx needed to have division. He needed to have contention. He needed to have a fight because he wanted that to turn into a revolution, to throw off the existing capitalist system so that he could replace it with communism. His division was property owners versus non-property owners. That was expanded over time to include social issues through the Frankfurt School, what's called the Frankfurt School of Marxism. Now, again, as I said a moment ago, to accomplish the goal of revolution, you have to have conflict. Where Marx was focused just on that economic dichotomy, which, by the way, was not successful. Every time the labor union went out for strike, once they got a pay raise, they went back to work because that's what they wanted. They wanted to make a better living. They didn't want a revolution. They didn't want to try to destroy the, this, the superstructure of that country to replace it with this communist garbage utopia. But since that wasn't successful, the division of the dichotomy was expanded, reaching social issues, out of which comes gender, gender identity, income, religion, sexual orientation, immigration status, with one group being identified by the Marxists as the oppressors, the other group being the oppressed. So in these situations, on immigration status, the illegal immigrants are victims being oppressed by citizens of the United States. Uh, Non-Christians are oppressed by Christians. Gender identity, gender, sexual orientation, LGBT issue are all victims being oppressed by heterosexual Christianity. But that is the division. Anything that they can use to divide is all that matters. There's an old Marxist phrase that says the issue is never the issue. The issue is the revolution. Well, one last very important, very successful issue was added to this equation in the late 60s and early 70s. It was this issue of race. And the purpose was another means of trying to divide America. And with it was born black liberation theology. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we need to remember our history so we never repeat it. And as good as much of American history was, there's also a lot of awful things in American history. By the way, we weren't the only ones. Slavery was global. The oppression of Africans was global, including in Africa by other Africans. And even today, there are more slaves on planet Earth today than there ever was in the 1800s. Estimates of some 45 to 47 million enslaved, primarily in Muslim countries and communist countries. By the way, Nike has a healthy profit margin because they have all their sneakers and everything uh, produced by slave labor in communist China. But that's not politically incorrect. That is politically incorrect. Talk about that, and that's not the issue because the whole focus is trying to criticize America and destroy the United States of America. But America was wrong at the outset. And we've talked about why the division was. Quite frankly, the, faiths of the, the faith base of the North was built on Puritanism and the separatists coming out of the Church of England. They're the ones that said all men are created equal. The faith base of the South was largely established by the Church of England. And of course, there was hierarchy in the Church of England. At the top of it was the king. Then you had the nobles and nobility then you had, you know, the prominent and the wealthy. Down at the bottom, 
You had the, uh, the, uh, the, those of virtually little worth according to their class system. So the idea of indentured servitude and slavery of other whites was well in practice. And of course, once the African slave trade was introduced, well, that was just all too convenient. But that is largely the separation between the North and the South. And folks understand, and we'll address on this later, obviously it was wrong. Obviously it was sin. Obviously this country paid a great price for it in the war between the states. And obviously that carried over. I can't imagine. And maybe that's why it's so difficult, because I've lived in the era that I've lived in. You know, my teammates at Oklahoma State were, were at least 50% black. My teammates at Chicago Bears were at least 50% black. I mean, I spent over 10 years in a locker room working with Hispanic, black, white. We were just all, we were bears, and you were the Vikings, or we were bears, or you were the Cowboys. We were one team, and we were together, and we wanted to beat your team. The idea that there was ever a point in time where there would be a sign on the door of some store saying, the Irish are not allowed in here, astounds me. But it happened. To think that there was ever a period of time or section in the United States or anywhere in the world for that matter, that say Jews aren't allowed in here, or we're not going to shop here because you're Jew. That astounds me. And to think that we actually had segregation and discrimination on racial terms just as little as, what, 60 years ago, astounds me. Now, folks, there are some cases of behavior where you can discriminate. You've seen many restaurants that say, for example, on the door, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Well, they're discriminating based upon behavior. I discriminate when I perform weddings because I believe what the Bible says about the establishment of the family. I believe it's a man with a woman joined together as one until death alone parts them. So I will discriminate according to biblical terms. Is that bad? No, I'm just following the Word of God. By the way, that also is behavior because you're not born that way. There is no gay gene. As hard as they've tried to find one, there ain't one. So it's one thing to discriminate based upon behavior. My mom used to discriminate and whack me with a belt whenever I disobeyed her. Come on now. What about my rights? But to discriminate based upon the level of melanin in your skin obviously was wrong, and obviously that is a, a, a stain on America's history. But what is exactly black liberation theology? Well, first of all, black liberation theology starts with a false premise. It starts with the premise that all whites are racist oppressors and all blacks are victims of the white man's oppression. Now, understand the Marxist thought behind this and how it's been used. Marx had to have that dichotomy. He had to have the fight. His was property owners versus non-property owners. The property owners always oppress the non-property owners, according to Karl Marx. So as you go into this critical theory, which was born out of the Frankfurt School of Marxist thought, uh, the oppressors are always oppressing, and the oppressed are always being oppressed. So if you're a heterosexual, you're always oppressing the LGBT crowd. If you're a citizen of the United States, you're always oppressing non-citizens of the United States. If you are born white, 
and you are part of the oppressing crowd, and you are always oppressing the blacks. By the way, if you argue or debate or deny or show facts as evidence, this only proves your white fragility because you are a racist. Well, how do we know you're a racist? Because we said so. Now, how did they come to this conclusion? Well, the black theologians looked at such passages in Scripture as Luke chapter 4, when Jesus showed up in the, Nazareth, uh, the synagogue in Nazareth where he had grown up in as a boy, and he opened the text. Actually, I believe it was actually the required reading of the day, as all synagogues go through. I don't think it was by chance. just happened to be that day they asked Jesus, because he was a, a well-known figure, and there was a lot of discussion about this guy and the miracles that he had done. They asked him to come up and speak, and he had the scroll, opened it to Isaiah 61, read this passage of Scripture, which basically identifies him as the Messiah specifically, and he said, today this is happening right before your very eyes. However, the part that the black liberation theologians will point to is this one phrase, to preach deliverance to the captives. Obviously, Jesus was relating to the blacks. Well, no, actually, that's not what this passage is dealing with. However, Jesus is relating to any oppressed person. We're all oppressed by sin. Jesus came and died on the cross for victory over our chains of sin. Jesus also concluded the Olivet Discourse with this verse, Matthew 25, 40, said, The king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, and as much as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. So delivering the captives and the least of the brethren, it's concluded by some of the absolute worst Bible expositors that I've ever read in my life. That is determined as their blackness. Now, as I said earlier, in fact, let me just say, what should be the goal? Should the goal be, okay, paybacks? We need 100 years of, of blacks suppressing whites, and then it makes everything even. Is that the goal? No, I don't think so. I think the goal is everybody seeing Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, surrendering to Jesus, and we all bear the fruit of the Spirit, loving the Lord with all our hearts, mind, body, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. That is what God's ideal is. That's what our goal should be. James Cone, I don't believe, who's one of the fathers of black liberation theology and this subject matter, I believe that he had an improper understanding of what the Bible actually says about your right to defend yourself. You know, Christianity makes very good sense. You go through Scripture, and the Bible will tell you, for example, here, here's an illustration. If I was to awaken in the middle of the night, and I heard somebody breaking into my house, and my wife was in danger, my life was in danger, my children were in danger, the Bible says that I have every right to use uh, deadly force at that moment to defend my house. Boy, doesn't that make sense? Wouldn't you do the same thing? But the Bible also says, let's say, for example, I woke up the next morning and I discovered that my house had been broken into. And by chance, there's the guy's wallet laying there on the floor. And I see Steve Blair. And I get in my car and drive over to Steve's house and shoot him in the foot. No, you cannot do that. 
At that point, you turn it over to the civil authority, and there is a trial, and guilt is established by at least the testimony of two or three witnesses. So the Bible makes common sense. However, so much of the emphasis of Christianity in teaching has been turning the other cheek, forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And from that, Cone said, well, this is insufficient, and started reaching out and adopting other faith systems, incorporating that in, specifically Islam. And, of course, the primary difference, well, there's many differences between Christianity and Islam, but one of which Christianity gives you the right to defend yourself, your family, your country. Islam says conquer all non-Muslims until the whole world becomes Islamic. So there's a significant difference. However, some of Islamic teaching was incorporated into this mindset. Cone said, the God of Moses and Jesus make an unqualified solidarity of the victims, empowering them to fight against injustice. Folks, I think we all agree. We all want to fight against injustice. Cone said, I still regard Jesus Christ today as the chief focus of my perspective on God. Well, that's good. Uh, but not to the exclusion of other religious perspectives, i.e. Islam. God's reality is not bound by one manifestation of the divine in Jesus, but can be found wherever people are being empowered to fight for freedom. As Malcolm X put it, this is a continuation. By the way, Malcolm X was a Muslim. I believe that in a religion that believes in freedom, anytime I have to accept a religion that won't let me fight a battle for my people, I say to hell with that religion. Cohn went on to say, a word to Whitey. I believe that all aspiring black intellectuals share the task that Leroy Jones has described in the black artist in Amer- for the Black Artist in America to aid in the destruction of America as he knows it. Folks, that is the goal of Marxism. That's the Marxist. That's why there's rioting in the streets going on right now. That's why we're dealing with all these issues. There is a press. You heard Alex Newman on Wednesday night put some meat on the bones, things that I've preached about before. America is the one big stumbling block to integrate all the countries in the world into the United Nations, governed by the United Nations. America was falling quickly in line as we were decreasing, other countries were increasing until we could just all blend together without hardly feeling it and surrender our sovereignty until something happened in 2016 and Mr. Make America Great Again wound up in the White House. That really disrupted the plans. Let's go on. While it is true that blacks do hate whites, black hatred is not racism. By the way, all this I have this book at home, Black Theology and Black Power, James H. Cohn. All white men are responsible for white oppression. I didn't realize that. I guess by the same logic, we're all responsible for abortion to some degree. I want you to know, folks, I don't know what else we can do. We have tried as hard as we We've done everything we know to do. We have fought against abortion tooth and nail. We thought we had it whipped a couple of years ago until our governor betrayed us. Boy, I, I don't know what to do to stop. I'm glad we're about to get another Supreme Court justice. I don't believe we're supposed to be ruled by the Supreme Court. That's not how the Constitution designed it. However, in practice, that's how we've been operating for, for many decades. So, boy, let, let's get a very conservative, godly Supreme Court, and let's get rid of this Roe versus Wade nonsense. I'm all for it. But I don't know what else to do. I don't feel responsible for it. I've done everything I can to fight against it. Nevertheless, 
it exists. Let's go on. Theologically, Malcolm X was not far wrong when he called the white man the devil. The white structure of this American society, personified in every racist, must be at least part of what the New Testament meant by the demonic forces. Now, I can see trouble brewing right here, but this next statement is outright troubling, for the person that's going to say it claims to be a Christian preacher. It says this, the idea of heaven is irrelevant for black theology. The Christian cannot waste time contemplating the next world if there is a next. That is a direct quote. I have an issue with that. It's a theology which confronts white society as the racist antichrist. In fact, it goes on more than that. Black theology must counsel black people to be suspicious of all whites who want to be friends of black people. When we look at the, what whiteness has done to the minds of men in this country, we can see clearly what the New Testament meant when it spoke of principalities and powers. It is this fact that makes all white churches anti-Christian in their essence. To be Christian is to be one of those whom God has chosen. God has chosen black people. Marxist thought, ladies and gentlemen, group thought. It's the group that matters. Group guilt because you're white. Group redemption because you're black. Let me make another comment in passing before we get into the Scripture in heavy doses. Understand that in 2008, 43% of white voters voted for Barack Obama. Now, I did not. I don't like the man's policies. I still don't. You know what? Years before that, I supported Alan Keyes. Alan Keyes is about as dark as you can get as a black man. But Alan Keyes is a Christian, and he's a conservative. I agree with his policies. has nothing to do with race. 43% voted for Barack Obama. 55% voted for John McCain. What's interesting is that 95% of the African-American community voted for Barack Obama, and over 4% voted for McCain. I don't know about you, but that looks to me like it's this community during the 2008 election that was more concerned about skin color than policy. And let me also say this. You cannot have a systematically racist country that goes to the polls and elects a black president. That is not a sign of systematic racism. So we weren't that divided in 2008. However, remember what community organizers do, and remember that President Obama's father was a communist. This is not rumor-mongering. This is very easy. It's out there. Remember that his mentor, Frank Marshall Davis, was the publisher of the communist paper, The Spokesman. He was the founder of the communist Chicago newspaper, The Star. He was a card-carrying Communist Party member, actually had a membership card, swore an oath of loyalty to the Soviet Union, identified as a national security threat by the FBI, and he was mentor to Barack Obama. After eight years, we became a very divided nation. That's been intentional, ladies and gentlemen. Critical race theory has been brought into every area of our government. It's in our universities. It's in our elementary schools now. 
the idea that all white people oppress all black people, that all white people are racist, that America is systematically racist, and since the system is racist, we must destroy, we must burn down the system to replace it with something else. Thank heavens our president signed an executive order to remove this nonsense from our government areas. We had better work to drive this out of our seminaries. We better work to drive it out of our universities and out of our public education. In fact, quite frankly, the best education you can is to homeschool your children or put them in private Christian education. God gave parents the responsibility of overseeing the education of their children. Not supposed to turn them over to the government at the age of five and then pick them up at 21 and then be surprised that they turned out to be little Marxists that don't believe in God. Well, two local black ministers were asked by a common friend to listen to the sermon that I had done on Black Lives Matters. By the way, you know my message is I document everything. Uh, I'm, I'm obsessive compulsive when it comes to that. My messages stand on facts, not feelings. And I also always preface and end with Acts 17:11. Listen to every word I say, but don't believe a word I say. You prove it to yourself. You chase down everything that I'm telling you. You make sure that I am correct. But my statement was, Black Lives Matter. If it is standing with Christ, it would be pro-Christ. If it is standing against Christ on an issue, it would be anti-Christ, would it not? Black Lives Matter supports baby murder at all stages. I call that anti-Christian. Black Lives Matter supports the destruction of the biblical family. Well, I call that anti-Christian. Black Lives Matter supports Marxism, which is nothing more than atheism, covetousness, theft, and murder, all combined into a nice, tidy political package. If you support that, you are opposing Christ. You are anti-Christian. By the way, Black Lives Matter hates the police. They believe that that represents the state. Let me ask you a question. Who was it that established civil government on the planet? God did. For what purpose? To punish evildoers and to protect those of us that do well, that we may all live peaceably in all godliness. Now, after hearing my message on Black Lives Matter, in light of Scripture, these two ministers tried to justify reparations. You say, Brother Paul, what's reparations? Well, reparations is the idea that white people today who, ever, uh, who never owned slaves should write checks to black people today who never were enslaved to make reparations for a sin that happened in America over 160 years ago. Claimed justification from two passages of Scripture. We'll look at those this morning. Leviticus chapter 6, I put it on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to it. But this deals with some jurisprudence for the nation of Israel. If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord, well, how are we trespassing against the Lord? We thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word, and we look forward to being with you next time as we take step two in this three-part message on black liberation theology. Until next time, may God richly bless you. 
You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We hope that today's journey in God's Word has been a blessing to you. You can find more sermons and resources at our church's website, www.fairviewbaptistedmond.org or call 405-348-1745. Join us again each weekday for Exploring the Word from Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond.